Right. Well up, everyone. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, it's Tuesday, so the last, the last webinar of season one. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, and today, I'm really, really excited to have the joint MD of Bind, a Manchester-based agency. My good mate, uh, Max Hoppy. So Max runs Bind with his brother Oliver, which in itself I think is uh, just brilliant. Uh, two years and three months into business, they've just won the Grand Prix Award at the Drum Awards. That's the big one, people. Uh, Max is creative and he's generous. Uh, the first time I met the man, it was when he managed to gather up three grand's worth of merchandise for the, from local businesses to give to the marketing meetup community just because he wanted to help. Uh, this piece lily behind me, that's also a Max Hoppy special. Uh, the guy is an absolute legend. Um, on a personal level, if that mushiness wasn't enough, uh, here's some more for you. 13 weeks ago, we had to cancel all of our events. To some people, they were a small part of their lives. To others, um, it was more significant. We switched the business up on a pinhead uh, for what has been an amazing journey these past 13 weeks. As we come to the end of what is known as season one of the webinars, uh, I just want to say thank you to the Marketing Meetup community because you've been nothing but incredible. Uh, and when I say the Marketing Meetup community, I very much include this man who's going to be speaking to us as well. Max is an attendee at the Marketing Meetup events, uh, but he's been nothing but supportive, generous, inspiring, lovely, humble, present, kind, positive, informational, willing and brilliant to me throughout this period. As I sit here on this chair, as I have done for these past 12 weeks, uh, I sit here, but nothing but proud to be associated with this community, but also proud to cap season one off from hearing from a friend uh, like Max. Today's session is relevant for many, many reasons. Perhaps the one that struck me the most is that right now we're all sat in a place where we may have been slugging through these uh, past few weeks. Creativity might have been a little bit at a premium uh, this session is designed to equip you with the tools to help you embrace your creative side and bring out your own creativity. Uh, this session will run as a presentation and then a Q&A. Um, so if you've got questions, uh, you need to wiggle your mouse um, and uh, you will see the Q&A feature. You can start asking questions right away um, and then we'll ask them after the presentation as we've done over these past 12 weeks. As ever, not that you would do anything else because you're the most lovely people ever uh, i just encourage you to stay positively lovely uh, and don't forget to use the thumbs up feature because uh, i'll be asking the questions from the top uh, finally before uh, i hand over to max i just want to say a big big thank you to the sponsors uh, it's no surprise to so many of you i guess that um, I'm a guy that gets nostalgic but I, you know i feel what i feel deeply and, and i feel nothing but gratitude towards towards all these people. Uh, even though I talk about the brand names, it's very much the people behind them. And they've really helped us keep this show on the road. Um, you had it in the email before, you'll have them in the email afterwards. Uh, so I'm not gonna go into depth here, um, but there's one ask as ever, just please take the time to thank the people behind these brands. Uh, but a huge, huge thank you to Pitch, Content Cow, Fiverr, Redgate, Cambridge Martin College, Lidu, Brand, Further, Third Light, Bravo, and Human. Uh, as I say, 
uh, please just take the time to thank them. So with an early morning start and uh, a friend by my side, uh, Max, over to you, my friend. Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, you, you just are a lovely, lovely man. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard an intro quite like that. So if there is a recording, I need to send it to my mum uh, and <laughs> probably my wife. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll remind them. The recording's there. <laughs> uh, anyway, right, let's get into this. Uh, so by way of really quick introduction to this presentation, it's not really an outward facing presentation. It's actually a training. It's, it's a bit of a plagiarized training. I make no apologies for that, um, that I was given five or six years ago. And then I packaged it up and I, I use it internally to talk to my own team. So when I was talking to Joe about the kind of thing that might be interesting to the, the community, uh, I mentioned this, he said, well, that'd be great. So um, yeah, I, I don't know if that uh, excites you or the opposite, but it is what it is. Let's get into it. Creativity training at Google. Um, uh, one other thing I'll mention, the, the point of it is really to give you an appreciation of how human beings work, um, really high level, but quite interesting and then give you app, like applicable stuff to bring into work and use in things like brainstorms or you know, just ideation sessions. So that's kind of the purpose of it. Okay, let's go. Quick intro to me. I started off life flogging washing machines online, um, working for a startup at the time, uh, AO.com. It was called DRL Limited back in the day. And, it, and it's gone on to do amazing things. Um, if you haven't heard of AO.com, they're worth looking at as um, just, just inspiration, actually, for how simple their website is, how they approach customer service, really interesting business. I then did some stuff um, elsewhere and ended up getting a job at Google, which was like a university-esque experience. I learned the two things it gave me, well, three things, really. It gave me, you just learned a pace. The amount they invested in, in, in still doing their people um, is, is really, really impressive. Um, you're then surrounded by these clever clogs. You know, you feel deeply insecure every minute you're there because next to you are people that have like competed in the Olympics or like, you know, uh, studied at MIT. So you, you have imposter syndrome the whole time you're there. That goes with the territory. But because you're around these bright individuals, you just, you know, it just gives you even more learning. And the third thing it gave me was probably the confidence to start my own business, which is this third thing on the slide, bind. Um, which is a digital marketing agency that Joe, um, you know, kindly mentioned in his intro. I started with my brother uh, and we could do a presentation, a different presentation on what it's like to do. A family business presentation would be a fun one, um, but we won't do that today. Okay, a quick confession. I, I do not think of myself as a creative person. If marketers were on a spectrum and at one end you've got the crazy creatives, um, you know, doing batshit crazy stuff, and then at the other end, you've got the kind of accountants, the kind of new, the, 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 the marketers that are more comfortable with numbers. I'm at that end of the spectrum. But some of the stuff I'm going to share with you today allows me to punch above my weight. I think it does anyway. Okay, this is what we'll cover. Um, we're going to start off and talk a little bit about the brain. Um, we'll move on from the brain. And I'm going to go through a really practical tool that helps kind of stimulate ideas that um, is called the three R's. And then uh, finally, we'll build on that with some more practical stuff. 
um, and then we'll do a recap. Okay, let's begin. Okay, I'm so, I've, the beginning's bad. Okay, you've got it involves participation. So let's begin. I'd like everybody, and I can't check, but go with the flow. Joe's, I can see Joe, he's, he's done, he's leaving. Everyone to stand up. Everyone to, you know, whether in your bedroom, get out of bed, on your feet, kitchen table, we all, let's all stand up. Great. Okay, I'd now like you, as long as it's safe to do so, to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. Now, I'd like you to get in your mind, I'd like you to just consider, where do you do your best thinking? What are you doing when you're doing your best thinking? Okay, just a couple of moments to consider that. Okay, you can open your eyes. The closing the eyes thing you didn't really need to do. I could have just, uh, all the stand up really. Okay, but stay stood up. No, no, Joe, oh, back up, back up. Stay stood up, okay? So you've got in your mind where you do your best thinking. Now, sit down if you do your best thinking while walking the dog. This might be Joe, actually. I know him well enough. Yeah, he has sat down. Okay, any other dog walkers? Sit down, okay? What about sit down if it's when you're in the shower? or any kind of washing activity, bathing. If you're in the bath, you can sit down, okay? Okay, good. I wish I could see you, uh, I can't. Okay, next, anyone brave on the toilet? Anyone do the best thinking on the loo? You can sit down. Okay, slightly more boring, but probably more appropriate. Going for a run, any runners? If Helen Johnson is on this, um, she will be sitting down right now. I don't know if she is, but she's a, she runs all sorts of crazy distances. Okay, runners. Okay, now sit down if it's any other type of exercise. Anything, you know, yoga, any other type of exercise, please sit down. Okay, now uh, falling asleep, sleepers, or actually asleep, falling asleep and asleep, you can bundle them together. Sit down if you do your best thinking while falling asleep. Okay, and finally, anything else, everybody else can sit down. Um, and thank you for for that slightly annoying um, bit of class participation. There's one last bit, uh, so you know, uh, stay, stay alert. Okay, I want you to stand back up. If you do your best thinking, when you're really busy, getting emails, sat at your computer, you feel like your brain's gonna explode, you're getting text messages, you've got 30 minutes to complete a few tasks, you're getting LinkedIn messages, WhatsApps and Slacks. Anybody uh, standing up? I don't know if, if anyone did. Hopefully you're a minority in the minority um, because this isn't, that is not the right environment for good thinking. And in fact, when the brain is too busy, it goes into a state called beta state, beta brain or the busy brain. And in beta, the tunnel between our conscious and subconscious closes down and it stops us being able to think strategically to being able to think creatively. And, it, and interestingly, a lot of marketers are put under pressure to make decisions while in this state. I don't, if any of you are unfortunate enough to have to go to like a weekly trading meeting where basically the numbers are raked over and you know everybody jumps on, on the, the stuff that doesn't look great and demands action and demands answers to what, you know, what you're gonna do, well, nobody is gonna come up with their best ideas in that environment, but, but sadly, you know, I'd say the majority of businesses actually demand marketers to make decisions when their brains are in beta. 
Okay, so the dream is actually to get into the moment, to, to be present, because when we're present, our brain moves from beta to a state called alpha. And in alpha, the tunnel between our conscious and subconscious opens up a little bit. And guess what? We think better. We think more clearly, we think more strategically, we think more creatively. So, so a big thing, if there was one takeaway from this, this deck, this presentation, I'd encourage you to think before you start, if, you, if you're ever in a place where you've got to come up with ideas, whether it's on your own or in a group or whatever, think about how you're going to get out of beta, how you're going to get people's brains out of beta and into alpha. Now, there are two other states. There's, there's a state called theta and a state called delta. And in theta and delta, that tunnel between conscious and subconscious opens up even, even further, actually. Um, but they're difficult to achieve in work because theta happens as you're about to fall to sleep. It's literally that window between being awake and asleep. And delta is kind of deepest, darkest sleep. Um, so difficult to, to kind of replicate those states in work. Having said that, people have done it. And one of the most famous examples is, um, is an inventor that uh, you may have heard of called Thomas Edison, um, famous inventor. I think he did the light bulb. I actually, I actually can't remember. Or he was like second with the light bulb or something. But like famous inventor. And Thomas Edison famously used to sit in his comfy chair, get nice and comfortable. He'd uh, put a kind of a pad and a pencil to his right hand side. And he'd put his feet in a copper pan. Okay. And then lastly, he would trap a penny between his knees. And then he'd kind of sit back and get comfortable, close his eyes. And uh, just as he was about to fall asleep, his body would totally relax. The penny would drop from between his knees, make a big clang, kind of wake him up and he'd scribble down whatever he was thinking about. And that's where the expression, the penny drops comes from. But by the way, I actually haven't fact checked that story, but I like it too much to what, like, I love the story, so I'm not doing it because if it's, if it's, if it's factually incorrect, I don't want to know. I think it's a great story. Anyway, theta in works is, is tricky, but I think that thinking about getting the brain into alpha is, a, is an interesting uh, thought. Yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's the takeaway here. The takeaway to this is, it's a bit like, um, I was trying to think of an, an analogy this is a really rubbish one, but I came up with it yesterday. So um, unlucky. When I, I used to, back in the day, I used to teach kids to ski. That was my job for a few years. So it sounded quite glamorous. It really wasn't glamorous. It was glorified babysitting. But the kids all want to be able to ski. They want to do great turns and look great skiing. But actually, there were some foundations that you needed that were almost always wrong. Um, and it was to do the ski boots. The ski boots have got to fit in a, in a, it makes things so much easier if they're a snug fit. And critically, the ski sock, yeah, the mo this is often missed. The ski sock needs to be pulled up really tight. So there's this really thin um, kind of uh, membrane, probably the wrong word, between boot and skin that, is, that, that hasn't got any wrinkles in it and, it. and it allows the skier to really feel like it should be touching the boot so that like small little flexes are felt in the boot and you can ski. And this is a bit like that, or maybe it isn't, but this is my dodgy analogy. Um, you've, this is the foundational stuff. Don't jump into coming up with the ideas if you haven't got the environment kind of right for your brain or brains, if it's lots of people, to come up with the best ideas. Anyway. Um, you can you can't delete that because it's being um, it's being live streamed on YouTube, Joe.
So anyway, next, right, the three R's. Um, the three R's. So there's three of them, hence the three R's. These are three things that can be used to create stimulus for creative thought. And I'll introduce them one at a time. So the first R is called related worlds. Related worlds. So this R requires you to think about whatever your challenges or your problem or your, the thing that you're trying to come up with ideas about. It, it requires you to think about what is at the essence of it? What's at the core of it? And then it, it, it asks you to consider where that essence has been solved elsewhere and to use that related world as stimulus for ideas. And I'll, I'll give you an example that brings it to life. So Speedo, hopefully you've heard of Speedo. They make swimming trunks and costumes and goggles and things for swimmers. And their challenge was they wanted their products, their swimming trunks to help their swimmers perform better, to you know, swim faster. So they took inspiration. They thought, where has this problem been solved before? And they went and looked at sharks. You know, they went to an underwater world and they looked at shark skin. And they found that shark skin is made up of a series of overlapping scales. And these scales trap air bubbles between them, which helps with buoyancy. And for whatever reason, it helps the sharks swim faster. And I, I don't know why, but it does. Okay. So Speedo took that idea and they quite literally put swimmers in bloody shark suits. Um, and, and, and these suits, these kind of all body suits have the shark skin technology built into them. And in fact, the Olympics that these suits were introduced was, I think it was the Sydney and all of the world records were broken. Yeah, Re really impressive until they got banned because frankly, it's cheating putting shark skin on swimmers. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is this was, a, this was an inspiring, interesting, creative uh, thing. Um, but, you know, come on, guys, you, can, you can't do that. But I thought it was cool. Anyway, the next R, revolution or rule breaking. This is a really nice one. Um, so this one requires you to make a list of all the rules, all the stuff. Um, that exists around your challenge or problem or thing. And then to pick a rule or a couple of rules and break, break, break them. And then use that revolution as stimulus to think differently. So when I break rules, I, I use this, um, or there are three things I'll do with a rule. I might do the opposite of it. I might exaggerate it, or I might do something a bit weird with it. And I'll, I'll give an example um, that brings that, that kind of point to life. So my example for this one is from KPMG not maybe not the brand you'd consider you know inspiring creative marketing example but kpmg they share um they share an office with me well i'm on floor two in a pokey little office they've got floors eight nine and ten um you know the with the nice view but um nonetheless one of my friends uh, works there a few of my friends were there and i, I meet them for, for lunch from time to time and on one occasion a few months ago um, my mate Dave said, right, meet us in the KPMG reception um, and we'll go to Wagamama's or whatever. So I'm going up in the lift to, to their nice, nice top floor. And I'm thinking, what, what am I going to experience when I get to their reception? And I thought, well, I'll see loads of briefcases. I'll probably see copies of the Financial Times or The Economist. And it's probably going to be quite a sterile, you know, clinical, professional environment and probably a bit boring. But somebody in KPMG, I suspect a marketer, well, definitely a marketer, um, has got a bit freaky 
with some of the rules of professional services reception. So I imagine one of the rules is this has got to look incredibly professional, you know, very professional. Yeah. But somebody had taken that rule and, and I believe they'd done the opposite of it and, and actually done something a bit weird with it. And when I walked in, I didn't see copies of the Financial Times. In fact, I saw copies of the latest edition of the Beano. And I also saw, I think they had some um, like swizzle sweets, some like really nice old school sweets presented in a really nice way, might I add. Like it wasn't like, like, like it wasn't slapdash. It was very considered. And I was blown away. I mean, it completely blew my mind because, I mean, first I thought it was a very brave thing to do, which I always think that's quite inspiring. But secondly, there was genius in it because it made me think this company thinks differently. Yeah. If I'm going to trust them with my professional services needs, I think these guys might, might come at it a bit, you know, a bit differently. They're going to be innovative, um, you know, versus the PwC or EY reception um, that I may have been in the week before. I don't know, I'm making it up, but I just thought it was a very, very strong example of creativity in an environment where I was not expecting it. Okay, the last R, random links. So this one, I, I don't mind telling you, I struggle with this one the most. The first two I find naturally, come quite naturally, or I find them easy to, to use. This one I struggle with. Um, this one requires you to take something completely random, yeah, completely disconnected from the problem. Um, and then it asks you to kind of think deeply about the problem, the thing you're trying to trying to solve or whatever, and then force connections between those two things. Okay. And the way I visualize this um, is I imagine my mind is full of, and this might just be me, I imagine my mind is full of boxes. Okay. And everything in the world that I know about occupies a box, whether it's my children or I don't know, um, Joe's got his own box. Um, everyone's got a box. And if things are quite similar, the boxes are close together. And if they're completely like nothing to do with each other, the boxes are quite far apart. So I started off by saying in this presentation, I used to work at AO.com. I thought a lot about flogging um, washing machines. Yeah. So if I was thinking of new ideas on, on how I may sell washing machines um, and I've got a box for washing machines in my head, I've probably got a box for fridges that's quite close to that box. It's a kitchen appliance similar price point, it, it sold in the same place, breaks down on average about the same, you know, similar brands, often the same brands, similar, you know, close box. So forcing connections between those two things um, is not a random link. And you're not going to get lots of creative ideas by looking at how fridges are sold and applying it to washing machines. You'll get some safe ideas, you know, some probably well-tested ideas. They won't be that different or creative. However, if I were to take Las Vegas, which is a box that is bloody nowhere near washing machines in my mind, and I force a link between them, that is a truly random link. And I'm likely to come up with some ideas that are quite different. They may not all be good, like certain, a lot of them will not be good, but they will be different. Um, and in fact, one retailer in America has forced the connection between these two boxes. Um, it's a retailer called Apt Electronics. They're based out of Chicago. They're a third generation family business, started in the 50s. Um, I visited them about 10, maybe a bit more years ago. 
and I was doing some studying at, at university out there and they were used as a case study. So we went to the store. It's super cool, super cool. And what they've done, the uh, senior team once a year go out to Las Vegas and they look for inspiration to bring back and put into their store because they've realized that to survive in an era of Amazon and commodity, um, they've got to create differentiation in their store environment. They've got to create retail theater in their store. So if you go into their store, this is it. And it feels like, I mean, it feels like you've walked into the Bellagio. Like it literally feels like a casino reception. Um, you'll see at the back left of the, of the picture, there's a candy bar for, full of sweets for kids. Um, there's something else in the, in the right hand corner. I can't, I don't know what it is, but it looks like some kind of child's plaything. And they've brought these, these amazing um, like entertainment things into their store. And, and what that leads to is um, when families like right now, if, if anyone's watching with families, you are craving ideas like of things to do, like you're desperate for things to do. And, and pre-COVID, Am I back on? I feel I was muted. Did I say something rude? I'm muted again. Am I muted? Joe, can you give me a thumbs up? I'm, I'm going to keep going unless... Um, I'm going to keep going. I don't know if um, Helen Johnson raised the hand. Oh dear. Joe, am I in? I'm, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep going. I can backtrack if if nobody can hear. I can just backtrack. So um, I think the story here is. I think uh, Max, I think you're okay, mate. Um, it's just me um, that I don't think uh, I can hear you, but everyone else can. So uh, if you want to carry on, mate, we might just have to cut it uh, towards an end uh, at the end of the presentation. So um, okay. that might be. It. <laughs> so uh, for everyone else, uh, carry on, mate. Go for it. Cheers, buddy. What? I mean, I think that is that my last R? Um, it is. It's my last R. So um, we're now going to um, finish off by just talking a few, a little bit more about how to bring some of this to life practically in a business, and, it, and it, which is hard, by the way. It's not always easy to do. So I think the first thing we talked about, we talked about the brain at the start of this, this thing. Um, the environment is everything. Like getting to alpha is the goal and environment is everything. So, you know, even this slide, you can oh, see and commodity. Uh, it's, it, uh, Max, it's, I think you're okay, mate. Um, it's just um, me, um, but I don't think uh, yeah, I can hear you, you, but you, everyone else can. So, uh, can if you want to carry on, mate, we might just have to cut it uh, towards the end uh, at the end of the presentation. So, um, okay. that might be it. <laughs> so, uh, for everyone. Okay, I've muted Joe. So, um, Okay, environment is massive. Um, outdoors, so I've just I've shown for fun outdoors versus like crazy trading floor. Outdoors is actually a really interesting uh, uh, thing to experiment with when you're coming up with ideas. It's not always possible, and and the business that you're in may not um, allow it. Actually, um, I'd always encourage trying to get out of office. I definitely encourage things like own clothes, things that relax people. Um, but if your business isn't going to let you leave. 
Um, the boardroom can work. And one example that springs to mind uh, that, that I've used, this is a, a real one. Um, I was working with a tire retailer called Tires on the Drive that now been acquired by Halfords and they sold tires online. And our challenge was how do we simplify the buying process online? Because most people, we found that most people were not converting because they were scared of choosing the wrong tire. So we came up with um, a reasonably audacious goal. We, we, we said, how, you know, how do we make it so that Gran can buy the right tire online? How do we make it so easy that Gran can do it? And uh, that's what we called our brainstorm. And we went into the boardroom. I put up pictures, I put up big pictures of uh, people's grands on the wall. I dressed up as an old woman, which was interesting. Or, or maybe not, it was a bit odd. Um, I also boarded up, we had um, a glass door. I made sure that people couldn't see in because the last thing you want if you're running a brainstorm is for people to feel like others are watching them and like they're getting judged while they're coming up with ideas. So thinking about like working on the environment is a really important kind of hygiene factor in getting this right. Okay, next. Um, now I could go down a rabbit hole with this slide. Whenever you bring an idea to life, two things have got to have happened. You need to have had some expansive thoughts, you know, what's the art of the possible? And then you need to, to reduce that thought down into what can actually be delivered and is practical, okay? And these two types of thoughts, they're like oil and water. Like they really shouldn't, when they, when they don't mix well at all. And if you, if you bring reductive thought into an expansive discussion, it usually leads to no more good expansive thoughts. So my recommendation is break these things out. I'd actually, I'd, I'd signal that, that there is no reductive thought today. Um, I'd do the reductive thought on a different day, um, ideally possibly different people as well, actually, because fewer people from experience are better together, are better at the reductive thought. Expansive, you can really have as many people as possible. Um, there's a few practical considerations that I'll come on to there, but, but more is better often with expansive, but reductive, definitely not. A couple of other little practical tips. If, you're, um, if people start bringing in reductive thought to an expansive discussion, have fun with it, okay? Either find them, make them wear a silly hat, do something that signals that that's not the behavior that you want, but don't do it in a way that makes them feel like, um, you know, do it in a silly way. Um, don't do it in a way that like, you know, they feel they've been lambasted because as soon as that negativity comes in, that will kill expansive thoughts as well, okay? What, I mean, I should have a slide on this, this next point I'm gonna make. When somebody comes out with an expansive thought that's like a bit dodgy, yeah? Don't, like, the worst thing you can do is just is, is pounce on it it's rubbish, whatever. The best thing you can do is a technique I call the SUN technique, okay? S is an, uh, what you call it, an acronym? <coughs> S, suspend judgment. So try not to judge it, like, like pause that, that instinct of judgment, okay? Try and understand where they're coming from. So probe around with questions because even if their idea is shit, the, the, the thing that's triggered the idea probably isn't. So try and understand, why did you say it like that? Explain why that is so important. And then in doing that, um, try and nurture the idea. So, so try and give it some positive energy. Okay, I like that bit of it, that's interesting. Can you expand more on that? And weirdly, if you use that sun technique, some really bad ideas can become good ideas with a bit of probing. It's, it's fascinating, it, it takes some practice actually. Um, 
And I'm still not great at it myself because I'm, I'm naturally going to judgment. I can't, I can't help it. We, we, I think we're, we're trained to do this at university, critical thinking, analysis. So, so to get out of it's difficult. Okay, next, um, we do this a lot. I did it today. So that stand up shenanigans at the start was, was an example of an energizer or I've called it alpha sizer because we now are all trained to get to alpha, um, alpha sizer. And when you're coming up with little games or things to do at the start of presentations or discussions, I'd, I'd encourage you to think about what would appeal to, I, I think like a seven or eight year old girl. Um, I've got a four year old girl, she's too young. She, she like, you know, she just likes toilet humor and Peppa Pig, probably not appropriate. Uh, you know, teenagers, I, I work in schools a bit that no, they probably don't want to play. Seven or eight year old girl. Yeah. And it's because we love, even though we don't, even though we're afraid to sometimes admit it, particularly in work, we love being silly and being children. And there's something in, you know, people point to children as the creative, you know, creative brains. You know, it's because they're silly in the moment. Their brains are in alpha. So doing something silly to start with can be really helpful. Um, but again, the environment's got to be right. You can't do it in a glass boardroom with everybody looking at you. And I've failed at that. I've done that before. Three examples of energizers. We use a tool called Kahoot, which is a, um, you may have come across it. It's like an online quiz game. I'm a bit quizzed out at the moment, but pre-lockdown, that was a thing we did a lot. And everyone participates and answers some silly questions. Um, we do a lot of exercising things, like not, not super strenuous, but we might do a little silly squat game or we'll do, um, we'll get in a circle and someone goes in the middle and does, a, does their favorite stretch and everyone's got to copy it, it's a bit weird. Um, I've done that and failed when, when I did it, um, when everybody else could see in the business that we were doing lunges and then everyone became insecure and it didn't work. Yeah, like they're, they're suddenly thinking about what's everyone thinking about me. So you've got to, the environment and this are very important to work together. And the last example I'll give you is one I call Battle Royale, which is a, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a rock, scissors, paper, scissors, paper, stone. I said that wrong. Scissors, paper, stone um, game whereby you pair up, have a game of scissors, paper, stone, and the winner goes to find another winner and the loser becomes the winner's biggest cheerleader. So they're behind the person that's just beating them going, come on, Joe, come on. And you end up with two people playing scissors, paper, stone, but like, it depends on the size of your group, but 10, you know, 10 cheerleaders behind each. It's really fun, um, really stupid. Uh, it requires some bravery. Okay, uh, next, the rule of three to five. So if you've got a big group of people um, actually coming up with ideas, actually it doesn't work that well. You know, I said the more the merrier, I kind of lied. Um, you've, got to, you've got to chunk them up, in my experience, break them out into smaller groups of three to five, have them go and kind of come up with ideas and then present back uh, to the main group. And it does two things. It means people are more likely to participate. Um, in a group of 22, people will not participate. In a group of three, they're much more likely to. And secondly, the fact that they're having to present back puts a little bit of pressure on them that it's a sit that, that, that they've got to package up their idea. They, you know, they've got to come up, they've got to put, put their effort in, effort in. Um, so I find that useful. And finally, stimulus. So turning up to, right, time for the ideas. Okay, no one says anything. Well, introduce some stimulus um, to get the ideas going. I'm not going to go through the hours again. Uh, but another example may be, we often use constraints in um, brainstorms, whereby we'll say, right, for the next three minutes, I only want ideas that cost less than a thousand pounds to implement, or 
I only want ideas that we can actually deliver on in 48 hours. You know, arguably it's a bit of reductive, you know, a reductive constraint, but it can really make um, interesting ideas pop out. It just forces the brain to think in a slightly different way. Okay, I mean, the takeaway here is uh, counterintuitively, this stuff needs planning. Yeah, like it's not like some people may be gifted to just turn up and the, the ideas come. Uh, I'm not one of those people. If I plan, it works, it works infinitely better than if I don't. And I'll leave you with a final little story. This was actually my second to last day at Google. I had a, I ran something called a brand lab with Optical Express with their senior team, the founder actually, a guy called David Moolsdale. And they were concerned about their online reputation. Online Express actually don't really sell specs. They sell laser eye surgery. They're the biggest seller of laser eye surgery in the country. And when somebody's laser eye surgery goes wrong, as you can imagine, they write a negative review. I mean, they don't just write a negative, they go crazy negative online as kind of they should. But Optical Express had a few examples of this that got out of control and they were very worried about their online reputation. So we tried to use related worlds to create, provide stimulus as to how they may think about their reputation. And I managed to get my wife, my now wife's, two of my wife's friends to come into the meeting, um, which they thought was very odd at, at first. I got a barrister, um, a guy called Chris Williams, and the lead singer of a band, you know, a band that was trying to make it in London, it never did, but they, the guy had been at it for five years. And both of those individuals think about reputation. In, you know, they don't sell laser eye surgery, but they're obsessed with reputation. The barrister for good, you know, for obvious reason, and the lead string of the band obviously is thinking about his reputation. So we asked them to just share stories about how they approach reputation. And the barrister talked about how his chambers had to look and how his certificates are on the wall behind him and all that stuff that, that demonstrated expertise. And the lead singer of the band talked about how he really worked on community in a way that actually I think Joe Glover does um, very well. Um, nurturing these positive advocates da, 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 that then spread the word and that actually helps his reputation. And at the end of it, Optical Express were just blown away. They went and implemented a load of stuff they weren't going to to try and um, pre present a much stronger uh, you know, reputational signal to their potential customers. And then they spent a million pounds on YouTube and I, I was pleased about that, um, which was actually my secret goal. Anyway, Let's wrap this up. Let's a, a quick recap. Uh, we've talked about three things today. We started off talking about the brain and how actually it's the foundational thing needed um, for good ideas to come. Uh, you know, it's the dog walking, it's the showering. How do we replicate that kind of stuff without taking our clothes off and bringing the dog into work? How do we get to alpha? We then talked about a tool. Um, I say we, I talked about a tool um, called the three R's. Which, which it doesn't solve all your problems. It is just a tool that helps interesting ideas pop out. Um, we talked about uh, related worlds, rule breaking and random links. And then finally, I, I shared some, some anecdotal stuff about things that have worked for me um, in, in, in how I approach ideation sessions in work. And, and the kind of takeaway that is, it is actually about planning. As boring as that is, it's about putting time and effort into the plan and it'll, it'll work a lot better. I'm trying it. Like we're, we're not, my agency ain't great at this, by the way, we're okay, but we, we get better each time by doing this stuff. And if you've got clients, clients love it. I mean, they really enjoy it um, because it's fun. 
Okay, that's it. I'm Max Hoppy. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to connect. Lots of people uh, liken me to Joe Glover, but with none of the followers. All the and that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. What a boy. So can you can you hear me, Max? Um, yeah, I can hear you now. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay, so I can't hear you through my computer, but I've logged on on my phone uh, in the meantime. So there's been loads of great comments that have come in. And uh, I think we'll be able to manage Q&A through my phone um, and then get the Q&A on my computer. It, there's a whole range of tech that's been going on. But dude, what an amazing presentation. Like uh, everything that I caught in the first two thirds and then like I missed the gap in the middle with the practical bits, which I'm guided about. So I'm going to go back and look at that. Yeah, but um, honestly, we're getting so many great comments uh, coming in from people who said they really, really enjoyed it and a number of questions. Uh, if anyone wants the deck, mate, I'm happy to share the deck. Um, you, if, you, if you work out how to do that, I can just give it to you or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, legend. Thank you very much. So are you okay to take a, a few questions for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so? I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Fab. So uh, the first one we've got from is uh, from Karen, who um, in herself is just a lovely, lovely human being. Um, she says, uh, what advice uh, would you give for one person bands uh, when it comes to uh, sort of creating opportunities for creativity? Uh, specifically, she says, uh, where we are brainstorming on our own. The one person bands as in, as in someone who's on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I mean, it's, it, it, my view is sadly that more humans together have got more chance of changing the world. But I don't think it's, I don't think it is like you need a hundred. I think small groups of like three to five are interesting. What I would do, I'd, I'd, so the first thing is, I think there's stuff that you can do on your own. I think actually those R's are really useful um, on your own because they give you somewhere to start. So if, if whatever the problem or thing, or, you know, I don't, I don't need, need the context, whatever the thing is that this nice lady's thinking about, um, go and find some different related worlds, you know, break some rules. There's also a great book, I'd, I'd say it's more strategic than like marketing focused called Blue Ocean Strategy that I, I find a really helpful one. I mean, it actually incorporates some of those R's like rule breaking, it's, it's into kind of a breaking a rule. Um, but what I'd actually do is I wouldn't do any of that. I'd actually go and find some humans. They don't need to work for you. Like there's people in this community, this community actually is a really good example. How do you get um, some people that are disconnected, they don't need to be connected to your world to, to do a Zoom with you. And do you know what? Say thank you by, you don't need to spend a load of money. I said thank you to Joe by sending in that dodgy plant he, he talked about in his intro. <laughs> and it did cost me a lot of money to do actually. Um, and so, so there's things you can do to say thank you and build goodwill, um, but that's, that's what I'd do. I mean, there is stuff you can do on your own, but I, I actually think more is better. People don't need to work for you and people want to help. Um, or certain people do. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's an awesome idea, mate. I absolutely love that. Um, so we've got a question from Dan. And uh, by the way, folks, we've got probably more questions than we can answer. So um, please use the thumbs up functionality if you have a question which you'd like answering, because <laughs> uh, that will help me take the ones from the top. Um, so we've got a question here from Dan, who says um, that he's running a, a, a film festival with some students. Yeah. Uh, they're very busy creating their own art uh, and adapting to distance learning as well. Yeah. Um, how do you encourage your team to sort of buy in to being part of the creative process in the first place? 
Well, I do. I do think there is. This is so. This is so relevant. This question, I think, on a few levels because whenever you want to, like we, you would, you posted something about creating change the other day. Oh no, you didn't. You posted something about skills for marketers, and I, I wrote on yes. in the comments that actually change management is really important. And actually, pulling off creativity requires change management. And there's three things. When you, whenever you create change, three things need to happen. The first is you got to create the environment for change. The second is you start making the change. And the third is you build on the change. And most, most change fails because people jump straight into doing and they don't work on the environment. And this is the exact, this is kind of linking it back to your question. Um, expecting these students or, or people to help you on this to just kind of go doesn't work. So you've got to create the environment first, which usually involves telling them why. Um, maybe more than once like why are we doing this like getting into the why it might be one-to-one -one. you know guys i just want a quick one-to-one -one on why we want to do this and you go around and you just explain the why let them question da, 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 da. give them context context is everything um if people are just asked to do stuff and they do not have context it doesn't work or, or it works it doesn't work that well um and then one of the things we do when we when we brainstorm is some of the things i've talked about today I will actually pre-do, I will start the brainstorm. We'll do like a mini refresher on how we're going to approach this. And, and we do lots of signaling of what's good and what's bad. Like, and we don't, we, we don't like beat people up for making mistakes or doing stuff wrong, but we've signaled strongly the behaviors that are not for today. And we usually have a silly mechanic to manage it. Like wearing a stupid hat, like no one wants to wear the stupid hat. <laughs> um, Everyone else loves it when you've got to wear the stupid hat. So it doesn't bring negativity in the room when you've got to wear the wizard hat. So yeah. um, I don't know. That, that, makes, a, oh, that makes that makes an awful lot of sense. And actually, I think um, you're probably going to provide a very similar answer to the next question, which is from our friend uh, Penny Langton. Oh, yeah. Um, um, who says, uh, what advice would you give to an internal marketing team wanting to sell in new ideas uh, to a business that seem new and untested or yeah. scary slash expensive i mean i know a bit about penny's business um I, I won't divulge anything confidential but creating change in that business is harder than some of the other businesses that i, I know um it's it's a very traditional business and some of the wacky like I, if i dressed up as an old woman and went into that business to run a brainstorm i'd get booted out so <laughs> i think that it's i think that it's I think that it's really, really difficult. I think that under, I think going back to the context is everything. So um, Penny has some, some senior stakeholders that um, I think they're, they're ex like PwC, like accountants that, are, that, that they like spreadsheets, like their world is spreadsheets, data, da, da, da. So explaining the why in their terms, I think is helpful. Um, one of the other things that I do is, um, if I, when I'm trying to create change or get buy into things, there's often other people that influence the stakeholder you need to buy in. Yeah. So let's say it's the CEO. It's not just the marketing director, the finance director is an influence, the ops director is an influence. So how do you create like a coalition of people now bought into this thing? So you've got a pincer movement, you know, it sounds a little bit political, and <laughs> it's but it's, it's, it's how change works in big complex organizations. And if you don't want to play that game, maybe that you're in the wrong organization. I think that's the other thing to consider that some marketers don't want to 
it's not that they don't want to do the work it's that the pain in creating change it's not worth it actually as in they, they could probably create change in another environment easier and that that probably will mean they've got more time doing things that they like so that that's another consideration if the environment may be um, not for you. I don't think that's a bad thing. I had one of those. I, I won't mention the business, but I had one of those where the change just wasn't worth it. Like a little change on the website required two weeks work. And I was like, do you know what? I just don't know if that's for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, that, that makes an awful lot of sense. I think to tie into the answer that you had to the previous question as well, then context will also be important. So um, you mentioned sort of selling people on the context on why it's important and all that sort of stuff. So that also feels like it would be part of the puzzle, but um, there's actually been a bit of a running theme over these past few weeks where speakers have kind of said, you don't have to say yes to everything. You know, it's okay to sort of say no or, or to walk away from something if, if it's, uh, you know, not right. And that's absolutely fine as well. So uh, I think that's a really great message. There was a wonderful comment here from uh, Charlotte, by the way, who says that um, she loves how uh, dressing as a granny was your first instinct as something that was off the wall and interesting. <laughs> um, I actually dug out the poster. Like it was a, it really, that, that was the first time I tested this outside Google actually, was that brainstorm. And we came up with, I mean, we did some things that I genuinely believe um, contributed to that business being acquired by Halfords because we made some big, bold, gutsy decisions that didn't work at first, but became quite disruptive in the tire industry. So um, yeah, I was pretty proud of that. That's really cool. Um, and actually, it's amazing how thematically these, these questions are linked, but it seems like um, there's, there's variations on the theme here. So we've got a question from John King. Uh, who's one of the fellow Manchester attendees as well, uh, who says, how do you encourage this kind of participation among folks who are a bit reserved or just not used to it? Uh, he works with a bunch of lawyers and uh, getting them involved can be hard work. You know, lawyers are really hard. Um, <laughs> and all my schoolmates became lawyers, all of them, and a couple of doctors, but mostly lawyers. And when they see some of the stuff I talk about, they just think I'm an idiot. And I know... <laughs> I completely know the day, but um, that Dave at KPMG, he's a lawyer. He totally thinks I'm an idiot. And anyway, so John King's chat. I mean, this is awful. At one of your events, um, a young lad came to me and he was thinking of getting a new job. And I told him, I asked what he was interested in. And I told him to steer away from like insurance and um, like legal services and things. And it's not because they're not, there's the, I actually think that could be a really rewarding marketing job. I just think it's harder, okay? It's harder to do certain things. And the other challenge you've got in the, in, the, in the structure, the org structure of that kind of business, you've got lots of clever people, as in partners, at the top, and they're all really clever, all of them. And actually, that structure isn't a great structure, I don't think, for bravery, for like really bold marketing, like, Elon Musk would, would abandon that structure very quickly because he needs to be able to move quickly and double down on something and not have a raging debate about it, almost an academic debate. Uh, I'd say higher education is a similar situation there. Like it's difficult to get change to happen. Having said that, it's absolutely possible. And I suspect when you do it, it's rewarding. I would, I mean, it's, I think a lot about the egos in the business. I think a lot about where the actual people that can make decisions are. 
and I would work at aligning um, what I need to happen with their incentives, ego, um, and I think it, I think it's bloody hard. Like I think John, I know John, I really like John. Um, yeah. I always think his job is hard. But what what I will say is, um, loads of people are shit at it. Okay, so if you go into the, if you are a rock star, a marketing rock star, and you go into the legal um, the legal area, I think you've got an opportunity to differentiate because lots of marketers avoid those sectors. So if you're in a, if you're a rock star and you learn how to create change. Um, then I think that will hold you in an amazing stead. Um, I don't actually think I've answered that well, though. I think that <laughs> I don't have practical advice. It's more, it's, it's the change principle. It's, what, you know, it's create that environment for change. Who Guiding coalition to help it get through. Who are the most important pe people in it? Line up your objective with what incentivizes them. Use language and terms that they understand. So if they're spreadsheet people, use spreadsheets you know lawyers like word docs they love track changes in microsoft word do that um shiny powerpoint presentations probably aren't the right medium for a lawyer actually um, it, it comes down to a, a, a target market thing doesn't it so it's it's the same as any marketing proposition which is understand the people you're uh, trying to speak to and, and speak to them in the way that they want to be um so we've got we've got five minutes left so um, we'll take these as a slight rapid fire um, and then uh, and then we'll be able to close out. So uh, first question is, uh, again, another amazing meetup attendee. I, I can't believe there's so many um, who says uh, amazing presentation, uh, which is good feedback for you. Uh, I'm planning a brainstorm uh, naming party for my business. What tips would Max have for planning and running the session virtually? So a naming party, as in... Um, yeah, yeah, but it seems like maybe the crux of the question is more about uh, planning and running a session uh, virtually. Well, I think, uh, I do, I mean, I do think it's harder, but I do not think it is insurmountable. Um, mm -hmm. it's, if we think about the things, <clears throat> we go back to principles that are important when I talked about practical stuff, so environment's important. They're in the home environment. Okay, that's helpful. Maybe encourage them to dress up in a certain way. That is, you want to kind of break them out of this is no longer day to day. You want to think about limiting the distractions that are going to get in place. So it's about thinking about like phones and emails. Like how do you, like I would be out of office on, like I'd be like, you don't want email stuff. Um, and then I'd do something, if it was me, if it was our business, my brother is the wild one, uh, which is helpful. He'd send people something before, and there he would. He'd post something bloody stupid. And he did it the other day. He posted, he calls me the wizard, which is another story. I like Harry Potter. Not in <laughs> he posted everyone in the business something stupid to wear for this session we were doing. I had a wizard hat. Will Pigeon um, had something bird-related. Everyone had something. Um, and what we're trying to do here is break the brain not break it, move, shift the brain into, into beta. Um, I might also do pre-work. I usually find pre-work is helpful. Mm -hmm. So it might be if you were going to use related worlds, <clears throat> ask people to come thinking about, um, like give them, tell them what related worlds is ahead and ask them to come with examples of related worlds so that <clears throat> they're bought into the principle before and um, there's already been some good thought into it. I think what else I'll do. Uh, 
I think a lot of the other principles do carry through as well. If you've got a big team, break it out. Use the breakout functionality uh, that Zoom has or other, other option, other Microsoft, I'm sure, does as well. Um, don't have 22 people. I mean, maybe even less people um, virtually. It might be three is better than five. Um, Joe might have a view on that because you've done more stuff with breaking people out. Um, uh, yeah, not necessarily. I, I think um, so. It's, it's a different context, but I think uh, we run conversation clubs on Friday and I think I'm coming to a place where I think like groups of threes or fours seem to work best online. Um, okay. I, I think five potentially allows, and, and particularly when there's a time restriction on things, um, I think five potentially gives less people less opportunity to speak and have their opinion known. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, th I think I think that's probably where I'm coming to, but you know, I think it probably depends on the group dynamics as well. Um, if you've got five chatter boxes, it could be really difficult. Whereas if you've got five people who are yeah. sort of a little more considered or whatever it may be. But I love that idea of breaking people out of their normal day to day. Um, and I think that's why so many folks sort of speak about, and, and you said it at the beginning of the presentation, you know, like when you change your environment and like, I remember one of my best ever marketing days was spent down a pub with, yeah. with a mate, you know, it was, just wasn't in the office and we were so creative. So I think that's, that's the equivalent in the virtual world. Uh, we'll go for the last question from Rachel. Um, and uh, it's, it's probably something a lot of people also struggle with. So she says uh, she really struggles to come up with ideas outside the obvious. Yeah. Uh, how can she train her brain to make those random connections to spark different ideas? Her mind always seems to wander back uh, to the same, the same old stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, I think that you can rely on these. Um, I think the tools are more helpful for for somebody that naturally stays. You know, you're selling washing machines, you're thinking about fridges, kind of thing. Yeah. I think that the tools actually become more important or more helpful. Um, the thing that then you'll find is, so we were trying to sell cars for a client and we forced a random link actually with Harry Potter. And we were thinking, right, how do we come up with ideas to sell cars that are to do with Harry Potter? And we came up with so much crap. So much, <laughs> it was so bad. We were going to have an owl day at the showroom. We were going um, <laughs> we to send people spells who'd had test drives, stuff that was so crap. But one of the the, dis the things you can practice is not beating yourself up for those crap ideas. The more comfortable you get coming up with crap, the more chance of finding gold in there. So my, my advice would be that, you, that, that to use some of the tools, and you can Google, there's some other tools, I'm sure, like um, brainstorming constraints, I think will be, will be one um, to look for. Um, and, and, and to practice, um, I mean, pra practice is important, I think. But use the tools to start with because they force you, they force you to say something, you know, you can't, you've got Harry Potter and you're selling cars, so you've got to say, and you've got to say something, well, something will come out of your mouth. It just might be awful. And that's fine. <laughs> I love that. You've got to get used to it. You've got to kind of get comfortable with coming up with awful stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, nine tenths of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is rubbish. But you know, I, I sort of if you get that one that one good thing, you, you, you're absolutely spot on. Um, it gets better. It. I think your ratio of good to bad gets better over time. I, I'm finding that with me. I, definitely, I, I think I, I'm still I'm still miles more bad than good, but the ratio is getting better. Absolutely.
Right. Um, I don't know whether you've been able to see the comments coming in over the course of time, but there's been so many people who have uh, just been saying what a brilliant presentation it's been and, and how much they've enjoyed it, Max. So, um, you know, uh, Max and I were discussing this yesterday, I think, where he was saying that um, it's something you'd like to do a lot more of and, and get better at. But I think, you know, honestly, like the amount of people that have been saying so many wonderful things that you should be uh, really pleased with yourself, mate. It's in public speaking. Well, yeah, absolutely, but yeah, you know, just I'm trying the to content. Yeah. Sorry, one um, last. Can I add one tiny thing on that? Yeah. Of course, yeah. But so, just for people, because I know it's a common one. So, I'm petrified of public speaking, although I work my tail off on it. Like, my, I've, I've joined Toastmasters. I speak once a week now at Toastmasters, and um, which is now online. Um, I force myself to do these talks. And originally, I didn't want to do them on my own, so I did them with my brother because I knew that I had a backstop in case I cocked up. Um, and it all came from many years ago, five years ago, I had a panic attack public speaking, which is a story for another day. But my, but I am like, I, Joe is an inspiration for me on this. I know that you're, I, I suspect you, it's not like the first natural thing for you, um, but you're brilliant at it and you practice it. Um, so I think, um, I think that's a really, I just think it's a really good one for, for um, lots of people listening. It, it helps you with so many parts of your life. Um, and that's why I appreciate you letting me speak, Joe, because it's this is good, really good training for me. Um, and hopefully, well, thank you, thank you, dude. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It is certainly not natural, but um, practice makes perfect. And I, I think that goes for creativity as much as it does for public speaking or indeed anything really. So, so yeah. Um, right. So that's us had the opportunity to wrap up the session. I'm so pleased that uh, we've been able to have that Q and A too. Um, you can see these comments coming in, Max. So uh, take this as a proper ego boost for right now because uh, so many people uh, sending you so much love. Um, there's going to be a uh, announcement like this week with um, the next uh, bunch of webinar speakers. Um, I'm really, really, really excited to share them with you. Um, 13 weeks ago, we had to turn it on a pinhead and, and get the schedule in, but this time we've had a little bit more time and 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 like i'm just so unbelievably uh proud that the people who said yes have done um we're gonna have a, a couple of weeks break from these webinars now uh, i think we're still going to run conversation club um but i'm also going to take a little bit of time off as well which would be quite nice um thank you max uh thank you everyone that's been here today um just love this i love you all so much um like just the best life um so thank you all have a wonderful rest of your day look out for that announcement at the end of the week uh do thank the sponsors as ever and uh you know everyone just just enjoy yourself and enjoy the sunshine cheers max and, and thank you all so much take care Good night.